So which came first, the curiosity or the passion? It's kind of one of those uh, chicken and egg situations, right? Do you get curious and find your passion or do you have this passion and then get curious and grow it into a business? Well, my guest today had the latter happen to him. He was just a curious, curious guy who had all of these creative tendencies and he followed that curiosity until he found what he was really, really great at. And I absolutely love stories like this. Now, my guest today, Tega Diegbe, uh, currently runs a podcast production company for entrepreneurs and small business owners, but he got there from just following his passions and following his creativities, pulling one thread at a time until he got to a fantastic idea that really hits the nail on the head for his clients. Now you're going to absolutely love some of the tidbits that Tega drops here today about outsourcing, about how he grew his company, and just about being curious in general. So you're really going to like it. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into the show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Well-Paid Creative Podcast. I am super excited to have Tega Diegbe with me. He is just a fantastic gentleman, and I can't wait to dive into some of the topics we've been discussing here today. Welcome to the podcast, Tega. Thank you very much for that succinct, concise, and apt welcome. Oh, I've been working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Tega. How did you get to be where we are here today? Um, it's a bit of a long story, but the, the short version of the long story is I consider myself to be an infinitely curious person. Um, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 18 years old and decided I was going to be an entrepreneur. What I was going to do, what I was going to help people with, I didn't really have an idea. At the time, my idea of what I would do uh, was I wanted to do cool things with cool people that has been a bit of a guiding light since I was 18 and I'm fortunate to to say that I have been able to do some pretty cool things with some some pretty cool people um whether it was starting by accident a a podcast management company whether it was landing the the job and I'm making air quotes at that because I don't really consider what I do to be a job whether it was landing that job simply by just being persistent um, and willing to willing to fail and learn and and strengthen my weak points. Um, Like I said, I consider myself lucky that I've been able to do some pretty cool things with some pretty cool people so far. Wonderful. So you said you accidentally started a podcast management company. How did you accidentally yeah. do that? I know a lot of us are kind of accidental entrepreneurs and I, I definitely 
uh, bulk myself into that category as well. So how did that happen for you? Much of the things I've done have been done accidentally. Whenever I'm not thinking about doing something, it kind of just tends to happen. But whenever I make doing something my focus, I seem to just spin my wheels. So the, the podcast management agency came about because I mentioned reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 18. One of the things that stuck to me from reading that book was the, the cash flow quadrant. Are you aware of that? The employed, self-employed, business owner, investor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I read that book, um, I decided I was going to be, I was going to operate from the place of being a business owner. So take leverage of other people's time and systems. It wasn't until I was about 25, maybe 26, that I got serious about that. And I got serious about it after, after trying and failing because I, I got interested in outsourcing after reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. So I tried outsourcing then, but the way it was described in the book was not the reality that I experienced. And that made me shove it to the side for a little bit. Um, and then around 25 or 26, I decided to get serious about it because around that time I read the, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber and that created the bridge for me between Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the four hour work week because the E-Myth kind of just sat in the middle with talking about systems and, and, and process documentation. So I read that, um, I wanted to systemize what I did and that led me on a journey of hiring and failing to hire people to do certain tasks just because I didn't really know what I was doing. But the podcast management agency came about because with the process that we now run, when I say we, I'm talking about my team, um, the process that we now run for clients in terms of recruiting virtual team members for their businesses, the infancy of this stage, I just come up with this idea and I wanted to try it out um, again. I said I wanted to do cool stuff for cool people. I spoke to one of my friends who had a, he had a podcast, but the, the conversation didn't start around the podcast. The conversation started by me saying, I think I've figured out this outsourcing thing. I've got a guy who's good, but I don't want to spend all my money just to hire him and have it fail. Would you be happy to go halves on the monthly wage of this person? And we'll do anything that you need to do as often as you need us to do it. Um, his insurance in that case was that I was kind of going to, I was going to be overseeing it. So it wasn't really going to be lost money. Um, he wasn't too keen on the idea to start off with, but then I said, why don't you just try it out? Right. Mm -hmm. Don't commit to anything, give us some work and we'll actually figure stuff out. And it's like, Oh, you know, I actually struggle a little bit with the behind the scenes stuff that needs to happen with my podcast. Would you guys be happy to, take that over. I had no idea what a podcast was. Being infinitely curious, I said, yeah, sure. So in about a week, I overloaded on learning about a podcast. So learning about podcast hosts, learning about the RSS feed, learning the different things that people do um, to keep their podcasts running. And as I was learning, I was kind of documenting what I was doing and what I was learning because I, I went through the process of doing the tasks first for or the guy who we eventually hired, who to this day, funny enough, still still works with me. <laughs> um, so because I was documenting the process, the goal was always going to be to hand it over to, to Mark. Mark is the guy. Um, so after the first week, I, th I think I had it sourced. I had, I'd made enough momentum, I felt, to, 
to say confidently, yeah, we'll do it for you. Um, fortunately, he gave us a test task and we aced the test task. And that is how my podcast management agency was born. Wow, that's awesome. So you just kind of took a chance on it. You convinced someone to take a chance on you. And then you learned as you go and Precisely. made it happen. I love that. Precisely. So how's your podcast agency doing now? Have you been growing it over the years? How long have you been doing this for now? Uh, the podcast management agency has been, it's been around for a little while, but where I am in life right now, maybe not right now, let's say six to 12 months ago, where I am in life, I wanted to, I wanted to collect skills. I had this infinite curiosity just to just try and do different things. And then 12 months ago, I decided to kind of focus on what I wanted to do, which has led to me reaching out to, to nice people like yourselves to talk about my journey and the things that I've done. So to answer the question about where is the podcast management agency now, it still exists. If somebody wanted us to do work for them, we could do it. But there is no there's no serious effort being put out there to attract clients, if you understand mm-hmm. what that means. So it exists, we are doing work, we can take on work, but I'm not going out of my way to try and find podcasters to sell the podcast management service to. Okay. So if that's not your focus right now, what is your focus moving forward? I've always struggled to talk about myself. You probably won't get that from listening to this episode, but I have, I have always struggled to talk about myself and talk about the things that, that I, I do, the things that I have done and the results that I have gotten. So my focus for the time being is to come out of my shell a little bit more, talk about the things that I've done, I'm doing, the results that I have I've gotten and not so much the results like... I want to be open enough to talk about the failures and talk about the lessons that I learned from the failures so that if people want to do anything similar or in line to what I'm doing, they don't have to burn the time to make those mistakes. If my mistakes are documented well enough, I can say, watch out for this, for these pitfalls. Um, here's what I did to fix falling down that hole or here's what I did to climb out that hole and make sure I don't fall into it again. That's what I want to do. Um, and then in, in terms of work-wise, focus is shifting more to the, the recruitment agency. And the reason it's shifting to the recruitment agency is because with the pandemic and with the influx of everybody all of a sudden working from home in most of the developed world, especially here in the UK, there are a bunch of people that kind of got overwhelmed overnight because the way they used to do things changed. And I felt there was an opportunity to help people alleviate some of that burden by showing them how to hire reliable people. So then they're not working on, on the business and in the business at the same time, because you can't really grow while you do that. All right, we're going to get right back to this episode because it is so good. But I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you feel like you're doing all of the things in your business, hustling like crazy, and yet nothing seems to be moving you towards your goals? If so, it could be because you're focusing on the wrong thing. And 
Over the years, I totally felt that in my business as well. That's why I developed a set of questions that without fail would move me onto the right track every single time I use them. Now, I wanna share these questions with you. And what I've done is created this really simple and powerful quiz where you go, you answer these questions, and it gives you exactly what you should be focusing on right now in order to move the needle and see growth in your creative biz. It works like gangbusters. And not only will you get the result of what you should be focusing on, but you're also gonna get this really detailed report with some in-depth strategies that you can use right away to start seeing progress. Now, I want you to go check it out. It's called the Focus Finder Quiz. You can find it at wellpaidcreative.com forward slash focus. Go check it out today. I can't wait for you to get your hands on it. It's going to make a huge difference. That's wellpaidcreative.com forward slash focus. Okay, without further ado, let's head back to the interview. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So what have been kind of your biggest learnings from that process of doing the outsourcing and hiring and such? So what kind of lessons would you be wanting to teach people? Uh, to sit and think about it, the, the most profound one for me, and the reason it's profound is, like I said, because I went on this journey of just hoarding skills. The most profound one is, for me, it's been that I am not Superman and I can't do everything myself. As much as I'd like to convince myself that I can, as much as I'd like to burn myself to the ground to prove everybody else wrong, I just, I can't. I can't, right? Um, and I, I, I learned that lesson when I say happy accidents. I learned that lesson with the podcast management agency. Yes, I figured stuff out, but sooner or later I realized, okay, if I have somebody else doing the work, I can't keep doing the work. This is also something I struggled with for a little while. Because mm -hmm. when you're working with somebody else and you bring them on board, there is this acclimatization period, let's say, where you have to step away from the role of being the implementer and be more of the thinker. Mm -hmm. Because if you've hired someone to, someone to be the implementer and you still stay in that box of being the implementer, you are now competing for somebody you've, you're now competing with somebody you've hired to do a job for you. Um, and that creates a bit of a weird energy because that person's like, oh, have you got work for me? And you're like, oh, um, not really. I'm just going to take care of all of these things. And then they're like, well, why did you hire me? Yeah. That's actually, that's actually a conversation I had with one of my team members. That which is, is why I learned the lesson. That is quite a good lesson because I know a lot of us, and especially being like a solopreneur, kind of used to doing it all ourselves, we have this mindset that, well, it's just faster if I do it myself, right? But yeah. that's, if you are going down that route where you're outsourcing and hiring people, the reason you're doing that is so that you can do the things that matter most. And all of these things that, yes, you can do fast, shouldn't be on your plate in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. So are you teaching people how to hire and outsource or just kind of the general process of working with people they've already hired and outsourced to? Uh, it's, it's a combination of both. In an ideal world, I'd be teaching people how to hire because if somebody has already hired and they're happy with the hire they have, then really I'm of no use to them. Mm -hmm. Which is another story entirely because I've had this conversation with myself and that led me to think, well, what's the next logical problem you can solve for that person? Which just happens to be like systemization and, and, and process documentation. Mm. You can say that's another story. In an ideal world, um, I'd be working with people who 
haven't hired before are a little bit intimidated, intimidated by the process and not sure what to expect. Do I teach? I guess you could say I do because I have I have a pretty in-depth blog post that I wrote on the, the process that we use. Um, and as we speak, the team and I are working on productizing that knowledge or productizing that process to a bit of like a, an info product, if you will, so that anybody who wants to hire can go through that and develop that skill and have that as a as a pillar for something that they can they can build and, and lean on. I love that. So what would you say has been say the two biggest mistakes someone makes when they're trying to, I know you mentioned the, the mindset of, you know, just doing it all yourself, but what are yeah. in the actual act of hiring and finding someone to outsource your tax to, your tasks to, what would you say has been the two biggest mistakes someone makes? All right. Okay. I'll, I'll use myself as an example because this can come across quite negative, like I'm attacking people. Mm -hmm. Um, the first big mistake that I made was abdicating instead of delegating. So I was abdicating and vacating my role of responsibility. This is down to inexperience. I was abdicating and vacating my role of responsibility rather than delegate, delegating what I needed to get done, but still maintain ultimate responsibility and making sure that it's done up to standard and standard is going to be down to your personal preference. Some people are perfectionists, some others are not. Uh, so that would be the first one. And this is one that people don't really tend to talk about, right? It's to me anyway, it's, it's an obvious problem because it's something that I've experienced. I mentioned the four hour work week earlier and how what was being sold in that book was not my experience of outsourcing. And that's mm -hmm. basically the, the distillation of that less, lesson abdication instead of delegation you should always delegate over abdicate there will be time to abdicate but if you are hiring your first person chances are you are not ready to abdicate that responsibility or that role completely just yet um and then the the second most common one that one that first one is a little bit unique because not many people talk about it yeah i've but never heard that one before but i really like it because it really yeah. does get to the heart of the matter yeah um, and then the the most common the most common mistake and the one that almost everybody is is guilty of is they are looking when they get this idea of hiring right they're sold they're sold this idea and they're sold this dream that the solution to the problem right now is just to hire someone and when you hire them you just give them tasks to do and you go to sleep and you wake up and those tasks are done. I call it like the, I call it the, this is not official. I call it the, the unicorn effect or the unicorn syndrome, right? So if you say that to a solopreneur who is time starved, who is at the end of their tether because they have a huge waiting list of one-to-one -one clients, um, they're dealing with un, unusually high churn because they're close to the limit of what they can do by themselves that person is going to be desperate. And if they see a message like that, they can clasp onto it. And when they hire someone, they make the ultimate mistake of just dumping everything on that person, expect, expecting that person to be able to do everything. So if I use myself as an example, um, the very first person that I hired was because I got an idea to, it's almost like arbitrage. I got an idea to, help people with their websites, I would effectively become the middleman. 
hey, you need a website, cool, I can fix it for you. Then I would hire a web designer or a web developer to, to fix the issue, right? So because I didn't know anything about the process, I just went out, got a whole bunch of jobs and then put them on this guy's plate. And the guy was like, I can't design. I'm a developer, I code. I'm like, okay, that's a problem because you called yourself a web designer. Again, down to my lack of experience and lack, lack of research into what I was doing. So that is entirely on me. Um, so I expected them to just pick it up and do that, right? So in this case, the unicorn, the unicorn effect there is I expected them to be able to do the design. I expected them to be able to code. I expected them to be able to communicate with the clients. Again, because I didn't really know at the time what I was doing, he had the experience and, and the expertise. Um, and that stuff just doesn't work. And you, you hear about it every day. People talk about it. Um, if you go on any job site, uh, you read, you will see on the first page of, of job posts, you go on any job sites and you see looking for, uh, looking for a superstar VA. And then you read the job description and they want this person to understand social media. They want this person to understand graphics. They want this person to understand how YouTube works. They want this person to understand how podcast works. And the tasks the person is going to be doing will range from things like managing your email inbox and managing your calendar to setting up Facebook ads to promote your info product. And yeah, they want them to do everything. <laughs> yeah, All right. So that's, that's why I call it the unicorn effect because those people don't exist. You can create them, but straight out the gate, they don't exist. And if you do manage to find one, they're going to cost you both arms and maybe a leg or a leg and a half. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I've experienced that too, because, and I think this does come back to people who are solopreneurs and business owners are used to being able to, are used to doing it all themselves. So they've taught themselves how to do social media and calendar and all of these things, but that's yeah. almost like a necessity because they don't have the funds or the resources to hire out. So they just assume that, well, doesn't everybody know how to do all of this, but that's absolutely yeah. not the case. <laughs> That's what, that's what I mean. Sorry to cut you off. That's what I mean when I say you, you can you can create a unicorn, but you can't hire one mm -hmm. because you probably noticed I use myself as an example. I like to put myself in, in, in people's shoes, right? When I started doing what I'm doing, I had no idea. I had to make so many mistakes. Unfortunately, a few bridges were burnt because I made a promise that at the time I couldn't deliver just because of how I do things. I like to throw myself into the fire pit and try and put the fire out. Um, so looking, looking at things from my point of view, I know that the knowledge I have now, the experience I have now, it wasn't just implanted into my head. I wasn't born with it. I had to learn and I had to make mistakes. So when I'm hiring, I come from that place of this person may not know everything I'm going to ask them to do, which is kind of why before I hire, I try to make sure I have a little bit of experience in that thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a documentation of a process, whether it's effective or not, doesn't really matter. The way I, I look at it is if there is a process for them to operate from, then they can improve on that process as they get more proficient with the task. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So in your opinion, because I know you touched a lot on the whole process of creating processes and systems and SOPs yep. and those kind of things. Um, is it important to have those in place before you start hiring? Or is that something that you can kind of build along the way? Because I know that some people, 
and I might be lumping myself into this category, might use that excuse of, well, I can't hire anybody because I don't have a process or an SOP written yet. So I don't know yeah. what they're doing. Um, the universal answer to complicated questions. It depends. I'll tell you why it depends. The scenario that you just described, procrastinating when you have a potential solution is something that I, I suffered through. I mentioned the e-myth earlier. If there is one bad thing I can say about that book is that after reading it, I got the idea that everything had to be perfect. So in terms of the processes and the documentation, it all had to exist before I brought somebody else on board. Um, it wasn't until I... It wasn't until I actually realized that that thought was keeping me stuck and I had to figure out a way to do things for myself that things changed. And a few years ago, I read, um, I read Mike McCullough, Mike McCullough, can never pronounce his name. Mm, I know me I read, too. <laughs> I read, but I, love I read all his books. <laughs> yeah. I read, I read, um, I read Clockwork mm. and that was kind of like a light bulb moment and it confirmed what it, it confirmed the approach I was taking. So the approach that I take is systems and documentation are the foundations that we build things on, right? I have no problem taking on a task if I know and I'm confident that the person who's going to be doing that task can execute on that task. If they can execute on that task, then my job is made all the more easier if I teach them how to document that task so that for example, if they're ill, my web dev, um, she got hit by a bike a couple of months ago, which is fine. Um, there was no serious injuries. But I tell that story because when she got hit by a bike, she was off work for like a week, right? And if we didn't have documentations of the stuff that she does, like not the hard coding stuff, the basic website management stuff. So mm -hmm. updating the website, backing up the website before you do an update. If we didn't have all of that done, I would have had to roll up my sleeves and do it, right? But because we had systems in place, somebody else in the team just slid right in there and took it over. And there was, there were a couple of mistakes made, which is understandable because this person was not hired to do website maintenance or web management and, and all that stuff. But the fact that we had the, the process of that documented meant that they could just go ahead and do it, right? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, it depends if you are going to use that as a reason not to do stuff. I feel like that's a you problem. That sounds kind of crass and heartless. I feel like that's a problem that you have to figure out yourself. But in that situation, I like to, I like to think like there is no box, right? I have somebody who has the skill. I have the knowledge for creating process and systems documents. Why don't we marry the two? If it means having an hour long conversation to, to drill down on everything they do to then figure out what's essential to the process and, and what's not, that is time well spent because that hour becomes something you can leverage so long into the future. So long as you're covering the fundamentals, the, the fundamentals of the process, that hour becomes something you can leverage so long into the future because you have it there as opposed to waiting to get it perfect. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I love that. All right. So this is the last question that I ask everybody on the podcast. 
do you have a hobby or a creative activity that you do on the side just for yourself, just for your own enjoyment? I'm laughing because um, this whole thing about collecting skills and, 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 and building, building that tool belt, because I've read so many books on entrepreneurship, if I develop a hobby and somebody says, ooh, that looks like it's a fun thing. I need to do that. That hobby quickly moves from being a hobby to, to becoming a business opportunity or a chance to make money. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have struggled with that, but um, I play video games. Um, I'm not so good at video games that people pay me to coach them. So there's no risk of that becoming <laughs> a, a business opportunity. Um, and up until last year, 2020, um, I play I play American football in the in the summers in the UK. So th- those are the hobbies. Wow, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Tega. This was just a fantastic conversation. I learned a lot and I have a feeling that I might be outsourcing some tasks here with your, your guidance. <laughs> um, I'd be happy to consult, advise, and thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.